Hi guys, just a quick note before the episode starts. There's an issue with my microphone on this. I'm listening back now um, and it's annoying me. Um, there's something wrong with the cord, so I just won't use it next time until it's fixed. December 2018. American friends Casey McPherson Pomeroy and Caleb Gillery, both 37, die in mysterious circumstances on the Caribbean island of Anguilla at the same time. Over two years on, opinions on the case continue to be split as to whether friends and family of the two friends had anything to do with their deaths. Sources for this episode include Medium, People Magazine, Mamma Mia and TJ Ward. Hi guys. Welcome to episode 78 of Unknown Passage, a podcast that tells the stories of those who have gone missing or have been murdered abroad. Welcome back to another episode. I hope you've had a good week and you're looking forward to a long weekend coming up. I don't have much going on, although um, I was talking recently about how I was having trouble like with my own business that I have and things have kind of turned around Um, and now I've just been offered a ton of stuff coming up so um, you never know what's around the corner. So I want to say thank you to Mary Bell, an existing patron who upped her pledge. I've added at the request of a couple of people a $10 a month tier on Patreon. So she upped her pledge to the $10 a month tier. So thank you so much. And speaking of new patrons, I want to welcome new patron patrons Emily and Stephen so welcome now thank you for all the recent reviews that people have left it's been awesome and it's kind of taken over the ones of people who like I've talked about before don't seem to understand um, why we discuss the actual place that we're going to on a particular episode so I don't really have anything else to say so I'm going to get into this episode and this is chastity patron chastity her location request it's actually not only her location request, but her case request. Um, when she requested her location, she kind of said, oh, I find the case of Casey and Caleb down um, in Anguilla a really interesting case. And I don't know if they'll, they'll ever have the answers that they're looking for, the families. And I had never heard of it. So I went off and I looked it up and I could not believe that I had not heard of this case. It only happened like just over two years ago there's so many weird things in this case and for the last week I have not only like thought out every possible option of what happened I've even like drawn it out because it's I've literally drawn it like with a piece of paper um, because I really don't know I, I kind of do know what I think and I will hold that until you know the end of the episode but I even talked it through with my friend Mark who's been on a previous episode um, and even he is really perplexed by this case. It's a really weird one and it was featured on the cover of People magazine in July last year so there's a lot of interest in this case although there are people in involved in the case who wish that there was an interest in it and whether or not that's a kind of evil thing that they're going for um I'm not sure what how I feel about that but I want to say thank you to Chastity for requesting this because it had me kind of up at night (laughs) so before I get into the episode I just want to say really quickly so when people become a patron um they pretty much get to choose the location for an upcoming episode but I've kind of run into a problem with that because I've now got like 15 people's location requests coming up and it kind of leaves cases that I've wanted to do that have been on my list for ages. It's I want to do those location requests 
for the patrons first. Um, but sometimes there's just too many in a row. So I've kind of been thinking about what I want to do with that. And I'm from now, I'm going to combine location requests where people who are patrons choose the same place. And I'm going to do that from next week. Two people on my list have chosen the same place. So I'm going to combine that. And then I'm going to kind of consider whether to only have that available to people on a certain tier on Patreon. Because at the moment, I think I've got 12 to 15, I think. Um, and it kind of, it's my fault, but it means that I don't have a whole lot of space um, for months and months coming up for cases that I've wanted to do. Um, so I've kind of hit the wall with that and I don't really know what to do. So <clears throat> at the moment, I'll be combining location requests. I know most of you understand. Most people just go do whatever you want, like, because I know you have a lot on your plate and things like that. But yeah, so that's what I'll be doing from now on. And let's get into the case of Casey and Caleb down in Anguilla. Now, I was going to have Lorena, who's been on previous episodes on this episode, but at the last minute, um, she couldn't do it until later in the week, and I try to get them recorded on Tuesday, so she won't be on this episode, but she'll be on one coming up. But I have written a quick disclaimer at the start of my script here that every opinion expressed in this podcast um, from the beginning till the end is my opinion and it's purely speculation or conjecture, like with every other episode. <laughs> um, so... Let's talk a little bit about the main man, I guess, in question in this case, although two men died, um, two American men down in the island of Anguilla in the Caribbean. Casey McPherson Pomeroy is really the primary one that we focus on and we know the most about, really, unfortunately. Now, Casey McPherson was born in Eagle Point, Oregon, on the 12th of January 1981. His IMDb, because he was an actor, is still up and it says he went by Casey McPherson for work, I guess, but his full name was Casey Scott McPherson Pomeroy. And I found out that the Pomeroy comes from his stepdad. It was added on because his stepdad kind of raised him from the time he was really young. To describe Casey, he is a very um, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, good-looking guy, and it really wouldn't come as a shock to you to learn that when he was an actor, he was on an episode or a few episodes of different soap operas because he kind of has that, you know, perfect look about him. Um, but his IMDb says he was only five foot seven, and I'm assuming that he ran his own IMDb, so that must be true. But I find that strange because he does look taller in his photos um, and the videos that I've seen of him. Now, he had a sister, Debony, who is still very vocal about this case, and a brother, Mark, and he was close to his family, Debony McPherson Pomeroy Udell, as is her name now. Um, she described her brother, quote, he lit up the room when he walked in. He was always in a good mood and looking for a fun time, unquote. And I've seen a couple of videos of him kind of joking around with his friends who have visited down in Anguilla. And I presume he probably was the life of the party because there's some karaoke <laughs> videos of him um, and he's kind of leading the way with the singing. Now, Casey, his two best friends were Caleb Guillory, who will come into play tragically also in this case, um, and Chuck Gross. And they were all 37 years old at the time when this event took place. And they had been best friends since they were nine years old and pretty much done everything together um, from then on. And they were still the best of friends at this time. Now, Caleb Guillory is the other central figure in this case, um, but unfortunately there's very little out there about him as he's often kind of painted as the secondary figure in this, and when we get into it you'll understand why. 
At some point in his early 20s, Casey ended up in California to pursue his dream of being an actor. And I guess you can't really do that from Oregon or Eagle Point, Oregon, where he grew up. Now, according to his IMDb, he was a actor and producer and he'd been in The Perfect House, The Bold and the Beautiful and The Hotel Hotel Barclay. Um, And The Bold and the Beautiful, he played a police officer. Um, But I haven't actually seen the footage of him doing that. But he wasn't really doing too well, I suppose because he wasn't bringing in a whole lot of money as an actor and he was only getting little bit parts. Now, Casey, to offset his income, he'd been working in pharmaceutical sales and doing the acting on the side, um, but he wasn't really, as I said, bringing in a lot. Now, according to IMDb, he also had two black Labradors, which were called Van and Roxy, and there are photos of him with these dogs and I think they were some of the loves of his life. So I think, you know... I think he's a good person um, due to that. Now, this is where we're going to start talking about something that I think a lot of people have a lot of questions with and I do. Um, But Casey met his future wife. This is a woman called Barbara who plays very heavily into this case. She was a nurse practitioner. Um, I don't know if that's different to a nurse. I don't think it is. I think it's just a way of saying it. Um, And they met somehow through the acting world, which I don't really know because she's a nurse. So I don't know how that would work. Maybe she worked on set or something like that. Um, But they somehow met quite a long time before, um, before they, you know, moved to Anguilla in 2018, because I believe they dated for like seven years. And they'd also Um, been married for a number of years. I think Casey was in his early 20s when he met Barbara. So they'd been together for a long time. Now, Barbara was 22 years older than Casey, which I, a lot of people say not to make a big deal of it, but I think it is a big deal um, in this case, because you don't often see young men with women that much older than them. And to make a point, when Casey died, he was 37 and Barbara was like turning 60. And it's very obvious, no offense to people, but this is the way it is. It's very obvious in the pictures of them together. She almost looks like, you know, his mother. But I will talk about, you know, later on about their relationship and things like that. Now, According to his family in People magazine, um, their big spread last year, they really thought initially that Barbara would be a um, steadying influence on him and a mature influence on him. But ultimately, that's not the way that the family alleges that it went down. After they got married, after dating for a number of years, Casey's stepfather, Chuck, another Chuck in this, um, this is Chuck Pomeroy, he said that Casey and the couple became very distant from Casey's side of the family, um, which is probably, you know, a control thing, as we all know. Um, And pretty much Barbara called the shots. At some point, you know, um, his dad, Casey's dad, Charlie, um, he had a chat to Casey and Casey said to his dad, quote, dad, Barbara doesn't, Barb doesn't like family. So there will be no kids, no holidays, no birthday parties, unquote. So he was basically saying that she doesn't like family, um, which is a weird thing, you know, but I do believe that he said that. um, And that's why they didn't end up having kids. But I mean, it's pretty clear that she was probably too old to have kids um, by this point. But, you know, as we've seen with Prince Harry, you know, men are just as easily kind of alienated from their families as women are. Women can also do this to men. Um, But 
He remained in contact, you know, with his best friends, Caleb and Chuck, who would ultimately be there, you know, at the time when all of this went down. Now, I know nothing about Barbara's life before she met Casey. She must have had one because she was like, you know, in her 40s when she met Casey. So she must have had a life. I don't think she had any kids or anything like that, but it's pretty much a dead end when it comes to that. Now, In July 2018, just a few months before Casey and his friend Caleb would be dead, Casey and Barbara permanently moved from LA. Um, Well, actually, they had a house in Fresno, which is like central California, but Casey was commuting down to LA for auditions and things like that. They permanently moved to the Caribbean island of Anguilla, which is quite a kind of upmarket island it's often voted the best one in the Caribbean and they settled into a little village there which is popular with expats called Island Harbour now I'm going to talk a little bit about Anguilla where this took place and I just realized (laughs) this morning that I was pronouncing it wrong forever Um, and I was also pronouncing what I thought was Antigua wrong wrong um it's actually Antigua um and I was saying Anguilla for ages it's Anguilla um now this is a British overseas territory in the Caribbean which many of these places are still under British rule including Jamaica places like that um, parts of the Virgin Islands the Cayman Islands things like that now it's a tiny island and it's was recently called the number one island in the Caribbean and honestly rightly so Now, if you look at it on a map, it's kind of next to or east of San Juan and Haiti and Jamaica and all that. And it's in the vicinity of Curacao, where we went for Amy Bradley's case, Um, although it's like the better version of Curacao, Barbados, Antigua, Dominica, all of that. Now, it's a super safe island and it really is truly stunning if you look at pictures of it. The water is like fluoro blue. You'll never see anything else like it anywhere else in the world. Now, the island of Anguilla measures just 16 miles, which is 26 kilometers. That is end to end. And at its widest point, it's only about three miles or five kilometers wide. So it's a really small island. And the population is also really tiny. It's just over 18,000 people as of 2020. Now, in the 18 months, I noticed when I was looking up the population um, before 2020, it grew 3,000 you know, residents, which is quite a lot when you think that the population is only 18,000. So more and more expats from all over the world, including the UK, because it's a British overseas territory, are relocating. Now, there's a main island, which, you know, Casey was living on at the time with Barbara. And then there's these tiny keys and islands which are not inhabited. The population of Anguilla is 85% black, um, which they call themselves black, and they can date those to the descendants of African slaves, 4.9% Hispanic and 3.2% white. So if you're white, you're kind of in the minority. Um, And locals here are classified as Anguillan. Now, of the non-Anguillan population, many are citizens who have become expats from the UK, the US, nearby islands like St. Kitts and Nevis, um, Dominicans from the Dominican Republic have moved over, Jamaica, Nigeria, and they get quite a lot of their seasonal workers in from Mexico. And as tourism grows here, as it has, it's kind of exploded, so does the population of these workers being brought in to you know, build these massive five-star hotels and um, things like that. Now, the laws here, because it's a British overseas territory, um, are the same as the Westminster system, which is in the UK. So it's all pretty much set up the same and the Queen is the monarch. And 
the island of St. Martin, which is another popular tourist destination, um, is just across the Anguillan Channel and you can actually see it from Anguilla. Now, the beaches are incredible. There's 33 beaches of Anguilla. Coral reefs here make it ideal for snorkeling and scuba diving. Um, and the island is tropical. So pretty much even the coolest months, which when Casey and Caleb died, it was actually December, which is one of the coolest months. It's still only a low of 25 degrees Celsius, which is like 75 degrees Fahrenheit. Anguilla really markets itself as a family-friendly destination. It's got a really good website that I was looking through and it really has something for everyone and a really warm and welcoming population of people. Things to do in Anguilla that they promote on their website include a glass-bottom boat trip to see local marine life and coral, snorkeling off the crystal clear waters of the beaches, horse riding along the beach, meals at cute little beach shacks and beach bars, listening to local reggae music, um, and touring the local 33 beaches that they have or, you know, taking part in water sports. In addition, it's becoming a really popular destination for destination weddings and honeymoons. Now, Anguilla is very much like Curacao, which we talked about on the Amy Bradley case. It's the place where they believe that if you believe that she was smuggled off the boat, that's where she ended up. But Curacao is kind of like the unsafe version of Anguilla, and they're very similar sizes. Anguilla is pretty much the safest island in the Caribbean. Petty crime can happen, but it rarely does, and violent crime is pretty much non-existent. It's probably the most famous true crime thing that happened here was, I found this out when I was like researching, a white American tourist in April 2019 killed a black um, maintenance worker at a hotel he was staying at and this guy worked there um, and the white tourist claimed that it was self-defense the case is still ongoing but it caused a lot of upset with the locals and this happened just five months after Casey and Caleb's death so Anguilla really made it into the news for two very bad reasons now the biggest problems in Anguilla are occasional teen gang turf wars so and it's generally Anguillan on Anguillan crime so it doesn't really extend to tourists and honestly it's safer than some of the safest US cities. Now Anguilla is not a cheap Caribbean island um, it's one of the most expensive and I was watching a video um, kind of interviewing local Anguillans who were saying that they can barely like afford to buy food it's becoming that expensive um, but when I was looking at this case, I thought it was a really strange choice for Casey and Barbara to ultimately end up in Anguilla because it's not a cheap place. I went on a couple of forums and somebody had written that they planned to move to Anguilla from the States and people were kind of saying, if you're doing it to save money, go to Panama or move to somewhere else like that. Don't move to Anguilla because you won't be saving any money. But what makes Anguilla kind of attractive to expats and tourists is it's a um, tax haven. So you pay a zero income tax. So that is kind of, you know, like a lot of th places in this area, like the Virgin Islands, um, that's attractive to people. So now that you know a little bit about Anguilla, let's get into what happened to Casey and Caleb on this idyllic island. So once Barb and Casey were settled down in Anguilla, Casey decided to completely overhaul his life and to enroll in medical school. He had kind of worked in sales on and off and done kind of little jobs in between acting, but now he decided to enroll 
um, on the island's St. James School of Medicine. Now, I looked up this school and it seems really impressive. It What attracts people to it is, including Americans, is that it's one of the most affordable, I think the most affordable medical course in this area. The fees are very low in comparison to, say, doing a medical degree in the United States. It's a really good school and it has all the course fees listed on the website, um, but this is kind of, it's kind of shocking to Australians, I guess, because Americans have to take out these, you know, massive loans at the time. Um, it's not something they can kind of pay off later like we do. How much degrees cost in the United States is kind of like appalling to people. Um, this course can still cost around $50,000 um, in Anguilla. And that doesn't include all your books and things like that. That's just your tuition. And your books are around $5,000 a year. Anyone who went to uni like me knows how much <laughs> books are. Um, now, it's also got a really high rate of placement for its graduates in the US who then, you know, can relocate to the US, get a visa as like a highly skilled migrant and then, you know, work there. Now, when they were down in Anguilla, Casey told his dad, Charlie McPherson, over the phone, quote, Dad, I'm a beach bum. I'm an islander now. It's a good life, unquote. Now, Casey and Barbara rented an apartment in a little village called Island Harbour, right near the water. And I have no idea how they were bringing in money. I can only presume that Barbara had some. Um, maybe she got like an inheritance or maybe she'd been divorced before and got a payout. I don't know, but it doesn't seem that Barbara was working as a nurse practitioner at the time. So they were kind of like bleeding money as far as I know. And the only benefit to living in Anguilla, because the costs are pretty much on par in terms of rent and things like that, would be that they wouldn't be paying tax. Now, it was coming up to New Year's Eve, um, 2018 into 2019, and Barbara and Casey decided to invite Casey's two oldest friends who I've talked about previously, Caleb and Chuck, and their respective wives to Anguilla to celebrate New Year's into 2019. Now, Caleb, who was also 37, like Casey, as was Chuck, Caleb was married to his wife, Carly. All I could find from People magazine was that Carly was due to have some medical treatments in the new year and she felt that the break would be good for her and her doctor had told her so. There are photos of them and I'll put all of these photos up on Patreon. Chuck Gross, who really they don't talk about a lot in relation to this case, he was married to a woman called Alicia. Now, the four, Caleb, Carly, Chuck and Alicia, flew into Anguilla before the new year. And by late on the 30th of December, two of this now group of six would be dead. Caleb and Chuck and their respective wives, Carly and Alicia, were only there for, you know, a matter of days when two of this now group of six would be dead. The fateful day was December 30th, 2018, so they didn't even get to see in the new year. And this was just over two years ago. Now, I'm going to take you through initially what, you know, we know as the official um, course of events, you know, that led up to these two men. And then I will talk to you about, you know, how stories have changed and things like that. But this is what we know. And, you know, this is what I believe, you know, the order of events was. 
The group of six, the three men and their three wives, had been spending the night, you know, hanging out at a beach bar, which I believe was about 10 minutes walk from Casey and Barbara's apartment. Now, upon returning home to the apartment, they it was quite an early night, but no one's ever really commented on that. It was about 9pm with the others. Casey realised that he had left one of his, I'm going to use the word flip-flops because that's what you guys call them. We call them thongs, so it's it's hard for me not to say that. Um, he'd left one of his flip-flops at this beach bar. Now, a lot of people on Reddit seem to think this is weird, that he didn't notice that he wasn't wearing them. Now, I don't think this is weird at all, and neither does Mark. I could probably walk home and Mark said he could too without noticing that you're only wearing one shoe when you're heavily intoxicated. But then again, he may have been carrying them and he only grabbed one of them. Like, we don't really know, but I do believe that this is what happened. Now, Caleb decided to walk back to the beach bar with Casey to get his other shoe. And this is what the original story was. And this is what witnesses saw. The two men returned to the bar, which is just a short walk from Casey and Barbara's apartment. Now, the two men decided to order one more drink, you know, for the road. They ordered one rum and coke to share between them, which I don't think is weird at all. It's probably, you know, something that you would do. Um, They both drank from this rum and coke. Now, While they were drinking from it, they were leaving it kind of at the bar and searching for this flip-flop and then coming back and slipping from it again. Now, this would have been quite early in the night, and I presume lots of people were around at the time, and there were witnesses who saw just the two men return, order the drink, and leave it on the bar while they were searching for this flip-flop. Now, one patron said that they saw the men, you know, leave the drink on the bar unattended, but they didn't see, you know, anything else happen. Now, once they found the shoe, they never really touched on that, but I presume they did. The men took one more drink from this rum and coke that was sitting on the bar and they left to return to the apartment again. Now, upon arriving home, literally the minute that he walked in the door, Caleb, who had been visiting his friend um, Casey in Anguilla, immediately collapsed to the ground in the living room and he hit his head as he fell to the living room floor. And very shortly after that, he stopped breathing completely. Now, according to TJ Ward, who is someone that the McPherson family have hired, he's a private investigator who has worked with Desiree Gibbons' mum, Andy, who we've interviewed on the podcast, he's also worked on the Natalie Holloway case, so he's really familiar with taking on cases that are in the Caribbean. Um, According to TJ Ward, he said that they didn't even get back to the condo um, before this happened, um, which I find is really strange because that's not what you read in every other, you know, document. But ultimately, I think Casey got him back to the apartment and Caleb very quickly went into cardiac arrest. Now, according to TJ Ward, Casey started performing CPR on his friend Caleb because he was in medical school and that's, you know, a basic that you should be able to do. And he was trying to revive him. Um, But that was when Caleb, you know, um, went into cardiac arrest. Now, at 9.49pm, Alicia Gross, who was the third couple, she was the wife of Chuck, she ran to a neighbor's house and she called emergency services from there. Now, I don't know why she would do that and not just call from the apartment. Maybe she didn't know the number for emergency services or she was just trying to get help from someone else. But she told the Royal Anguillan Police on the phone that her friend was not breathing and that he needed an ambulance. That was at 9.49pm and I presume they don't have a lot of ambulances because EMS didn't arrive until 10.05, so about 
16 minutes after this phone call. Now, by the time they arrived, they found Caleb. He was lying on the living room floor. He was lying on his back and he was dead. He was pronounced dead at the scene right there. Now, EMS noted that Caleb's right eye was black and blue, like he'd recently been in a fight, and it was also swollen shut. So keep all that in mind. Now, soon after EMS arrived, Casey, who had relocated to one of the bedrooms because he wasn't feeling well, he started having a seizure. He was rushed to the Princess Alexandria Hospital on the island and he was pronounced dead at the hospital 15 minutes after his initial seizure started and right after they got to the hospital. Two of these men who have just been at the bar have started, got home, started seizing and they're both dead. One of them looks like he has been in a fight. Law enforcement arrived at the apartment. Obviously, this is, you know, barely any crime happens in Anguilla, which is something that I was going to say um, when we were kind of talking, you know, about it. They've pretty much got like a zero crime rate for this kind of thing. So they really don't want is happening to ruin, you know, that average. But they started looking around and realized a few things were a bit off. They noted that the four other people who were left at the apartment, so Barbara, Carly, Chuck and Alicia, they were all, quote, out of it, unquote. Now, these four people were all taken to the hospital for wellness checks and testing. And once they were released, they were given to the police and pretty much kept in custody. Now, a source on the island revealed to True Crime Real Times podcast who covered this, but I haven't listened to their episode. They said that cocaine was found in Alicia's makeup bag and either MDMA or MDA was in her purse, which we'll talk about that drug in a little bit. Now, no charges to this day have been filed against Alicia for that drug possession. Now, once the medical staff cleared all four at the hospital, they were taken to the police station and held in custody. And from most accounts, they were here for about four or five days without charge. Later on, all of them would claim that they were treated like criminals. They were barely given any food. It was freezing. The air conditioner was on too cold. They had no blankets. And really, it seems that that's all they care about um, from everything I've read. Um, And that shouldn't be the focus of their problems. Now, ultimately, which is something that a lot of people question, they would told that they had to pay $40,000 to get out and then they could be released. None of them were charged with anything and anyone who knows anything about bail understands that if you're charged, then you pay bail. These people were not charged. So what most people think happened is that the four people got money together to pay off these police um, to let them out. And even I agree with that because corruption in these areas is rife amongst the law enforcement. Now, Um, The victim's families, Casey's family in particular, Caleb's family really has been very quiet on all of this. And TJ Ward have tried to find out what that money was for, um, but they've never been able to figure it out and the police have never responded to them. But as I said, most people think this was a bribe. Karen B and police are notoriously corrupt and many people who can put two and two together understand that this is probably why they consider their crime rates so low. They basically have a zero murder rate, um, according to them, and they probably just like the Japanese police, which we've talked about, probably take bribes to let suspects go, to to keep the tourism coming in um, and to keep their amazing average, 
you know, perfect. Now, the four people paid the sum and they were ultimately released on January 4th, 2019, which was about six days after the two men had died. Now, do you know what also happened on January 4th, 2019? Barbara didn't waste any time in filing for Casey's $1.5 million life insurance policy. Now, Mark and I talked this through and I, my understanding of life insurance is that you get it to cover your spouse or whatever who won't, if they die, be bringing money in anymore. So it's to cover their loss of income. But I find it strange that Casey even had a life insurance policy on him, like as a struggling actor with zero income. But Barbara, this is not going to shock anyone, had upped the life insurance amount before they moved to Anguilla. Um, And it was $1.5 million at the time that he died. Now, from all I can find, this amount has still not been paid out because Barbara doesn't understand that when there's an ongoing investigation, you can't just take the money when people, a lot of people suspect that these two men were murdered. Um, now, but she didn't waste any time and I have a lot of issues with that. If your spouse died, that wouldn't be the first thing that you'd be thinking of. You'd be so grief stricken, you wouldn't barely be able to cope. Now, as I said, Barbara had tried to increase the life insurance policy by $1.5 million. Um, So he barely had, you know, any life insurance available and she'd upped it all that amount. Um, So yeah. Now we're going to get into the autopsies and you really need to pay attention to this because I've thought this through. I've looked things up. um, I've asked people who are experts and there's a lot of things in these autopsies that I still don't understand. I want to start by saying that neither of the men were known to use drugs but I think we all know that there's many people who you can say that about that doesn't even matter when I read something like that because there's many people um, who are professionals or you know whatever who do use drugs especially in a recreational setting now both of the men had fatal levels of MDA in their system and I'm going to tell you a little bit about what MDA is because I didn't even know um, it's a kind of offshoot of MDMA so We'll go through Caleb first. Caleb was Casey's friend who was there visiting with his wife. He was the one who walked in the door, <clears throat> started convulsing um, and died pretty much right there on the spot. And he also was the one who had the black eye as well. Now, according to the coroner um, on the island, Caleb died from asphyxiation, so deprivation of oxygen, strangulation, multiple blunt force traumas and seizures. So he ultimately died of lack of oxygen, but it was probably from the strangulation. Now, they said that the strangulation was both manual, meaning with your hands, and ligature. And that means using something, you know, you could use a rope or you could use a shoelace or a cord from something. Now, that got me thinking um, about who would switch from a manual to a ligature strangulation. And my first thought was a woman because no offense, but most men can fight off a woman unless they're in a state of complete intoxication. Um, ultimately, he was had blunt, blunt force trauma, so he was hit with things. He had that black and blue bruised eye. He was strangled and he ultimately had a seizure and died from lack of oxygen. Now, I want you to keep all this in mind because there's people involved in this case who think that all it was was the men were poisoned. Someone slipped drinks, um, a drug like MDA in their drink. But they seem to ignore the fact that um, (laughs) Caleb was murdered physically. 
Um, now, toxicology reports found that Caleb had lethal amounts of MDA and cocaine in his system at the time of his death, and he also had that black and blue, I would say recent, black eye. Now, Casey, the main guy in this story, he died from, quote, pulmonary edema, cardiac toxicity, cardiac ischemia, hypothermia, and seizures. Okay, so I'm going to take you through that because I read so much into this. Um, so pulmonary edema is basically just fluid on the lungs. Um, cardiac toxicity is usually what happens when there's too many drugs, you know, in your bloodstream. Cardiac ischemia is damage to one of the valves. Um, seizures, because he started seizing, and hypothermia. Now, I very quickly zoomed in on the hypothermia part, and this, these toxicology reports were released by Casey's sister, Debony McPherson Udell. Um, now, she said, quote, the medical professional we had read the death certificate told us it goes along the lines that he was poisoned, unquote. So Casey poisoned didn't seem to be in any kind of fight. Caleb pretty much bashed to death and strangled. Now, there was also a combination of cocaine and MDA of lethal levels in Casey's system. I'm going to tell you what MDA is in a minute. The amount of MDA in Casey's system was 24 times higher than what someone would necess- would usually take in a recreational setting. So extremely fatal. So what is MDA? Now, I had to look this up because I'd never heard of MDA despite knowing quite a lot about drugs from people in my life who have been drug addicts and there's been quite a lot of them. So MDA is the lesser known version of the MDMA, methamphetamine, otherwise known as ecstasy. And on the street, MDMA is known as Molly, which you may know it as, and MDA, which we're dealing with in this instance, is known as Sally. Now, It's been around longer than MDMA. Um, MDA is a stimulant and it's also hallucinogenic. And basically the point of it is it's a smoother high than MDMA, which is weird that they ultimately created MDMA, which more people know because apparently MDA is the better version of it in terms of getting a high. Now, it works very similar on the brain and the central nervous system as MDMA. It works on... um, norepinephrine, dopamine and serotonin transmitters in the brain, which is all something that I'm very familiar with because I've been on antidepressants pretty much for the better part of the last 17 years. Now, these chemicals in the brain are responsible for feelings of pleasure, um, increased energy, elevated empathy towards people, um, a decreased appetite and all of the things you know of people who take MDMA, methamphetamine or MDA in this instance. Now, The thing that I really zoned in on, which I was talking to Mark about on that list of things about Casey, um, was the hypothermia. Hypothermia meaning low body temperature. Hyperthermia is high body temperature. Now, I instantly zoomed in on that because I know for a fact that a drug addict will usually have hyperthermia almost 100% of the time. It never results in hypothermia. A high dose of what Casey and Caleb had taken or been given will generally up your body temperature um, by 0.7 Celsius. And this is why when people take it at music festivals or in hot environments, it can be extremely deadly because people either don't drink enough water and pretty much dehydrate themselves um, and their body pretty much cooks or Um, because they drink too much water and pretty much like drown their internal organs in water. Now, 
I know a lot about hyperthermia because the medication that I've been on probably for the last six years for anxiety and depression has caused hyperthermia in me, which is something that I haven't really talked about on this, but it is a massive part of my life. Um, so it pretty much increases my body temperature, um, resulting in pretty much it's been on the precipice of what's called serotonin syndrome, which can pretty much kill you. Um, and taking my antidepressants in conjunction with other drugs um, could ultimately kill me, which I actually took some supplements recently which I didn't even know until I looked it up the chemist didn't tell me that um, pretty much that can lead to serotonin syndrome but there's not many people that actually die of that but it's the same thing as what happens when you take MDA is that it increases your body temperature and that's why I pretty much know so much about it because I've dealt with pretty much hyperthermia to the point where I have um, hyperhidrosis, which is excessive sweating, um, pretty much probably 10 months of the year, um, which was happening today, actually. And it's not something that I really talk about other than with like my closest friends. And I don't really like people who I don't know seeing me with it. But it also helps in this case because I'm an expert in hypothermia versus hypothermia. And I've pretty much seen a million people. And all it is is an increase of serotonin and dopamine in my body from a specific type of antidepressant that I've been taking. And it pretty much kicked off probably four days after I started taking that dose. And so recently I've been trying to bring myself down a dose and I have a significant amount, but it's still not low enough to stop the trigger of sweating. So, but hypothermia is caused by prolonged exposure to very cold temperatures. And I know for a fact, and I've read a lot of studies about drug addicts and hypothermia. It never really happens with drug addicts. They usually get hyperthermia. Um, hypothermia is generally brought on by cold temperatures, either the air, wind or water. It's not something that would happen with drugs. Um, it basically happens when your body begins to lose heat faster than it produces heat. And there's different levels of hypothermia. So I think that in Casey's case, um, he probably had a mild hypothermia. It's not what killed him but it was starting to set in. Um, and the longer that you're exposed to the elements, the, the more intense the level of hypothermia is. So I'm gonna take you through the different types of hypothermia. Um, so there is mild hypothermia, which is when your body, I'm saying this in Celsius, um, not Fahrenheit, I'm sorry, but the, uh, you have to maintain a level of 37 degrees Celsius, your body, um, you know that you have a fever when it's like over 38 or 39. The worst I've ever had is like 41 when I had the flu when I was a teenager. Um, and anything less than probably 36.5, I believe, is an issue. So mild hypothermia is between 32 and 35 degrees Celsius. And that is pretty much normal. You'll maintain consciousness, but you'll probably be shivering. And most people who have been in cold places, um, like me when I went to Eastern Europe, have probably had some sort of mild hypothermia. Then there's moderate hypothermia, and that's when your body is between 32 and then it drops to about 28, between 28 and 32 degrees Celsius. This is when your shivering actually stops because you're kind of in a state of shock, but your consciousness begins to lag. So you, um, your consciousness means that you become a bit impaired. And then there's severe hypothermia, which is 24 to 28 degrees. And then there's apparent death, which is the next level, which is 15 to 24 People who are at severe or apparent would be people who are out in the elements, climbing Mount Everest without the proper equipment, things like that. And then the next stage is death from irreversible hypothermia, where your body just literally can't produce enough heat um, and you'll die. 
Now, one of the symptoms of this is you think you're hot when you're kind of going deeper into the levels of hypothermia and you may start to take your clothes off. Um, But as I said, cold water or cold weather is what's going to bring on hypothermia. There's never any drug use that will ever bring that on. So that's why I zoomed in on that because I thought it was strange because when Casey and Caleb and the crew were down in December in Anguilla, um, the lowest temperature is 25 degrees. I've looked it up at night and the top is generally 28. So there's no way that you're going to get hypothermia because the lowest it's ever going to go in that month is 25. So then I started to think, was he put, did he go swimming at some point that night? Was he put in like an ice bath or something like that? Now, basically with water, um, which is one of the ways that you can become hypothermic, the air must be warmer than the water. Um, And it can set in hypothermia in water. If you were in 60 degree Fahrenheit water or 16 degrees um, to 70 degree Fahrenheit or 21 degrees Celsius. So it actually can set in in water between 16 and 21 degrees Celsius. So even if the air is 25 outside, my thought is that the water would actually be about that temperature. Now, I've have never had hypothermia in water and I've been in really cold water for extended periods of time, you know, swimming and things like that. So I think it would take quite a lot to be submerged in for it to kick in. Um, but I just thought it was interesting because I've one of my theories in this is that at some point um, Casey was either in the beach having a swim or when he got home, he was like in an ice bath. But because I've never been able to get hold of the autopsy, which you can't. Um, I'm just really interested to know if he had wet hair or his body was wet or anything like that. Now, one of the risk factors of hypothermia is alcohol intoxication because you don't realize that hypothermia is setting in, which is one of the things that I really thought was interesting and really probably ties into this case because they were drinking alcohol and in their systems were cocaine and MDA. Low blood sugar is another risk factor of it. Anorexia, um, because you don't have enough you know, meat on yourself to be able to warm yourself up. And also advanced age. So the elderly seem to <clears throat> get it more than younger generations. Now, the signs and symptoms of hypothermia are shivering, exhaustion or feeling very tired, confusion, fumbling hands, memory loss, slurred speech, and drowsiness. So even though I'm not saying that Casey had hypothermia that killed him, he probably had mild hypothermia, and I'm just trying to fit in why he would have that if he wasn't in the cold air, which he obviously wasn't, um, or in water, which is the only thing that I can think that he was, but at no point in the timeline is he ever in water. So I might talk about that, what I think in the wrap-up. Um, because it does play into my theory. Now, we're going to get back into the story. So where we left off, the two guys had died. Caleb died first. He stepped inside and just immediately started seizing. Um, Casey died, you know, not long after the EMS arrived. He started seizing in his bedroom. And then I went through the autopsy results of how Caleb was pretty much murdered. um, And Casey died of a drug overdose, but they both had fatal levels. But what got Caleb first was being murdered. Now, Barbara's story, Casey's wife continued to change and does continue to change, which for people who follow this case, it's a big issue and it should be. Um, So 
Her story is entirely different to what happened. Um, So as I said, they were arrested and then pretty much the day she got out, she tried to claim Casey's life insurance policy. Now, the version that Barbara has later on when she was back in the States, which we'll get into, this version has Barbara placing herself with the two, Caleb and Casey, at the bar, despite no witnesses seeing it. The witnesses saw Caleb and Casey. Um, So this was later on. She basically said that she went along with them to find the shoe. She drank from the same thing. Um, They found the shoe, got back. And when they needed her to explain why she hadn't died because she drank from the same drink and we're running off the premise that the rum and coke was poisoned by someone while the guys were looking on the beach. Someone came along at the bar and poisoned it. That's her version of events. If you want to know why she claims she didn't die, it's because she said that when they walked in the door and Caleb was having a seizure, she went and threw up in the bathroom and maybe that's what saved her life. Now, the funny thing was when I was reading all this, I was watching, I'm finally like back on season five of Breaking Bad and I'm almost at the end and it's all these great scenes that I remember watching it the first time around. And there's the scene where Gus um, and Jesse and all that go down to Mexico to talk to the cartel and Gus poisons the drink, the bottle of booze um, with the cartel, you know, made man. And he says, I'm going to go to the bathroom and he goes inside and then you see him making himself throw up. Then when he walks back outside, everyone's dead and he drank the poison stuff and then gone and thrown it up to make sure that everyone else died, you know. And it was really funny because I was reading that at the same time, pretty much as I was watching that scene. Now, even though it's a show if you remember that show Gus got really sick afterwards and almost died because it pretty much had um what he hadn't thrown up had soaked into his system and that's reality that's what will happen Barbara wasn't sick afterwards and part of it would have soaked into her system so this story just doesn't fly um but yeah so that's her reason why but She added that story about her being there, which I don't think she was because witnesses saw them at the bar together. It was just the two of the guys. Um, When we get into the story, maybe you'll see why she added that story to firm up her premise that the two were poisoned while they left their drink at that bar. Now, once the remaining four people who were alive were released from prison, They had a friend, I don't know who it was, maybe a connection in Hollywood, send down their private jet to bring the four back to the US. Um, And the plan was to bring both Caleb and Casey's bodies. But that didn't happen. Despite the families expecting the bodies to come back with the other four, Barbara and Carly, the two wives of the dead men, had their husband's bodies sent to the nearby island of St. Martin, which you can see from Anguilla, to be cremated. All that evidence is gone, and the likelihood is that once it was back, the two bodies were back in the US, it probably would have undergone a second autopsy on US soil. And a lot of people think that they had them cremated for a reason, but it really pissed off the family of Casey because they wanted him to be buried back at home, Um, and it would piss me off too. Now, days after they returned home, the four surviving friends and wives dropped by the Pomeroy home, so the home of Casey's parents. This is in Eagle Point, Oregon, and this was where all of the men had grown up. Now, according to Chuck Pomeroy, Casey's stepdad, he has a lot to say about this meeting. He said, quote, Barbara did almost all the talking, unquote. 
Now, while she was talking to him, she pretty much reiterated the story that she told the Anguillan police that she thinks that they were poisoned at the bar when they went back there to find the shoes, despite the fact that Caleb was clearly murdered to death in the autopsy says so. Now, his stepdad, Chuck Pomeroy, told People, quote, from the very first, it just didn't feel right to me. I remembered that as we got up to leave, as they got up to leave, Barbara very seriously said, hey, do not talk about this. Don't publicize it and talk about it. You'll cause problems. Unquote. Quote, then she went back. Then she came back a couple of days later. She was very adamant about don't say anything. Don't do anything. The second time we asked something about memorials and things. And she said, no, don't. Casey would not want that. The whole point was she didn't want any kind of notoriety about her. Didn't want the word out that the boys had died. That just didn't sit well with us, unquote. And yeah, that fucking doesn't sit well either because she's alienated him from his family, moved him down to Anguilla. He's died there and now she don't. She won't even have a fucking memorial. She's had him cremated. Um, she's gone against all of the wishes. And now she's telling his parents how to act, not to tell people that they've got died. Don't get publicity over this. Just let it go. Um, and I'm sure she's going to love the fact that it was on the cover of People magazine last year and pretty much everyone is following it and I've gone through her Facebook which is public and I've seen her which I'll talk about at the end mouthing off about Casey's family and how you know they should just let it go and things like that and all of those are like warning bells to me now the four told friends and family once they were back on U.S. soil that they were allowed to leave on a condition they said that the Anguillan police gave them two options one the four of them could agree with the findings that Casey had overdosed and Caleb had been strangled. If they all agreed, then they could leave. Two, if they disagreed with the police's findings, then the police would open a formal investigation and all four of the survivors would be considered suspects and unable to leave the island. Now, if you listen to what I just said, you'll understand that point one makes no sense. It pretty much says that the police said, we understand that Casey overdosed and Caleb was murdered, but we'll let you go if you agree with that. So none of this makes any sense. And most people agree that the four surviving friends and families of these people who had been on the island all got together and cooked up a story. <clears throat> I do believe parts of it. I do believe a price was put out there, which was the 40 grand. Most people agree with that for them to leave they all got it together so they could leave the island and they never intend on going back because they know they could be charged if they do now they also said that in terms of the cremation on the neighboring island they'd been forced to cremate the remains which i completely don't agree with because st martin's is a totally different island where they were cremated and i don't agree i don't believe any any of that now this is when a spanner is going to be thrown in the works and this really when I read it, turned things I was already thinking against each other. So after her brother had died, Debony, who still continues to try to get awareness of this case and is trying to raise money to hire TJ Warden, pay him to look into this and to go down to Anguilla, she looked into her brother's death and spoke to a lot of people who knew him in Hollywood, in LA. Um, and she spoke in an interview about how she pretty much uncovered evidence that for the 10 years prior to him and Barbara moving to Anguilla, Casey McPherson Pomeroy had really lived a double life in LA. Now, she said that his agent, his talent agent, and many of his best friends, most of them um, in Hollywood, had no idea that he had been married for such a long time and with Barbara for such a long time. They had no idea she even existed. 
Jess, um, Casey would commute down to LA and they had a home in Fresno that Barbara would stay at and he'd commute down for work and things like that. His, one of his closest friends, who was also his talent agent, who knew pretty much everything about Casey, um, his name's Chris Montgomery. He was just blown away when he found this out. He said, quote, Casey's life in LA was this single life of carefree good times. No clue, no nothing that he was married. He once told me about a wedding that he had gone to as a best man. And after talking to Debony, I learned he'd been telling me the details of his wedding. This was not an oops, I forgot to tell you type of thing. This was a deliberate lie, unquote. So pretty much his relationship with Barbara no one ever knew about it um, in Hollywood or anything like that. Now, I've kind of looked at that like maybe he markets better if he's a single guy for roles and things like that, but I don't think that works when it's his own friends um, and his talent agent and, you know, all of these people who don't have a clue. It's not the general public or anything like that. So basically, I guess you're wondering what would be a motive if there's people who believe that Barbara Barbara there's some people who believe that Barbara poisoned their drink um, based on the, you've got to believe that that was the drink that was poisoned. Um, There's some people that believe that Barbara um, and Caleb's wife, Carly, did it together, which I find unbelievable. There's no likelihood that two women would get together and both want their husbands dead. And I look at the fact that Carly had a medical treatment happening the following month and she would have needed someone to look after her. So Demony had this to say about what a motive would be for Barbara doing this. Quote, Barbara was wanting Casey to get a job because she felt like he was taking advantage of her because she was the sole provider for them. So she was wanting him to get a permanent job and I think that was a strain on their relationship. There was no domestic abuse of any kind in the relationship and no talk of divorce as far as I know, unquote. So basically Barbara wanted him to get a job. They'd only been down in Anguilla for like a few months, so they'd made this big leap and then this had happened. Um, a lot of people maybe think that Barbara knew how corrupt the cops were and you could bite off if you did something. But now I'm going to talk about what's going on now. So basically, Debony and their family has a GoFundMe online to try to raise money to pay TJ Ward to get answers in this case. And Barbara is on Facebook, as I said, shooting her mouth off about the family trying to get answers. She doesn't want them to get answers. All of her friends, they're commenting on her posts about Debony and that are backing her. You know, all of these sycophantic comments like, oh, Barbara, we know how much you two loved each other. Anyone who was around you. Her profile is still, profile picture is still her and Casey. Um, all of these people saying, but you, we know you didn't do anything. Those people need to shut the fuck up because there's no answers as to how Caleb was murdered. Caleb was murdered. He was strangled. His oxygen was cut off. Somebody used a ligature and she's like, but they were, they were poisoned. And that's the part where I saw that, where I thought something's fucking up here and she knows something and either she's trying to cover for the two guys so that their memory isn't tainted or anything like that. I I really don't know. I'm still torn on this stuff. Now, no charges have been laid in this case by the Anguillan police force. Um, And Barbara later on went on to tell friends that she and Chuck Gross, the third friend that was there, were initially charged with manslaughter when they were arrested, but they were let go and let off the charges because, quote, we had suffered enough unquote, which isn't how charges work. They don't just feel sorry for you. And a lot of people 
believe that she just says these things to get sympathy and attention, and I firmly believe that as well. Now, the FBI doesn't believe that's the situation. They believe that the Anguillan police force, surprise, surprise, did a really bad job um, and possibly something more sinister is going on. And they also were able to dig up information that the commissioner, um, the police commissioner in Anguilla and the governor were both off the island during the murders. So maybe they just had free reign the police to cover up these things. Now, this is why a couple of weeks ago when we did the Carolyn Abel case, the American young woman who was murdered in Seoul, Korea, this is why her case is so important. Because if you remember that her case led to changes in the law where Americans who killed Americans overseas could be tried in America. And in the future, if something was to come of this case, this this is why the Carolyn Abel case is so important. And this is why Carolyn really didn't die in vain. Now, the family has employed, obviously, TJ Ward, who's worked on the Natalie Holloway case, and also with Andy, Desi's mum, who we've had on the podcast. He and the Pomeroy family all firmly believe that something is amiss with the stories. Barbara's story continues to change about what happened that night, and none of the surviving four people are calling Francis. Carly is not calling Francis, despite the fact her fucking beloved husband was murdered, beaten, strangled. And he had something done to his face because he had like a new black eye. And she's just never said anything in the public. They've all banded together and they're covering something up. Now, Barbara wrote an email to friends making claims that she isn't able to substantiate, nor is anyone else. Now, a coronial inquest was due to be held in early 2019, pretty much a few months after the two guys had died. Um, I think we talked about it in a couple of cases. We have them in countries that are, you know, Commonwealth countries. They're not a criminal trial or a civil trial. They're just an inquest to put forward evidence to pretty much lay out what you think happened. And the coroner can actually reopen cases. Um, it's based on what the coroner thinks happened. They do them in non-criminal cases as well. Now, this was due to happen in Anguilla a few months after the guys died, but the remaining four went back to the States. They refused to return to Anguilla and they are required to be at the coronial inquest. So it just keeps getting pushed back. Now, you would think they would be jumping up and down to, you know, return to Anguilla and get justice for their two beloved men, but that's not the case. Now, there is a GoFundMe for answers. This is run by Debony. You can Google it. Um, and there's no word really on what's happening right now, I guess, because of COVID and things like that. Um, I guess it's at a stalemate. But I guess you're wondering what I think happened. Now, I've had a lot of time to think about this and I've even like drawn maps and things like that. And a lot of things didn't sit right with me. Um, But what Barbara suggests happened in terms of the two returning to get his flip-flop, they order a drink, they leave it on the bar while they're looking around the beach or the tables for this shoe. Someone comes along, sprinkles MDA and a lethal amount of MDA and cocaine into the drink, mixes it up, and then walks away. That doesn't feel right to me because there were witnesses of people seeing the two men, um, the bartender, I believe. They returned. First of all, they were not with Barbara. It was just the two men. So we know that she's added that element of the story in to 
alter something in the story to firm up her version of the story and I believe that she added herself into that story and the fact that she vomited when she got home and all of this bullcrap because she really wanted to firm up the side of the story that says that they were all poisoned in that drink that's why she added herself into it later now Barbara also isn't able to explain why Caleb was beaten and strangled to death um, but she does rant about the Pomeroy family wanting answers and she she claims that this whole thing was an islander who did this to them now this thing these things do happen um, in Thailand they and Laos I think Vietnam they had a spate of people being poisoned with methanol killing them instantly it doesn't happen very often unless there's a reason for it they're not just going to waste their product which is probably expensive to someone living on the island um, for something that they're not going to witness or they're not going to be able to do anything. No one followed the men home from the bar or, you know, robbed them or bashed them or anything like that. And when the men got home, Casey, who was still conscious, never said that anyone did that. So I've got to rule that out. Now, I think it's clear that the group of six were doing recreational drugs and there's nothing wrong with that as far as I'm concerned. Uh, many people do down in the islands and it was New Year's Eve. Alicia had those drugs in her bag and those were the drugs, cocaine and MDA, which played a part in killing both of those men. Now, I do believe the two men returned to the bar as per the eyewitnesses who saw just them. Barbara added herself in later in order to firm up the story of them all being poisoned at the bar. Whether Barbara did that to cover up the memory of these guys or to make sure that they weren't going to be charged with drug charges for doing it themselves may be a reason why she did it. Now, I believe the men returned back and when they returned back to get this so-called flip-flop, which I actually don't think they were returning for that, I think that the two men returned to take some of their drugs on their own or to do a deal with someone at the bar um, and someone either offered it to them there or it was an agreement that they all had set up for later and they needed a reason to go back alone. Now, I believe the men returned back and took some of these drugs. Um, other than that, um, I don't know why they would take 24 times the amount. Maybe they thought it was something else, but it turned out to be MDA. Maybe they were sold it under the pr false premise that it was MDMA um, or speed or something like that. But they were witnessed there at the bar with the drink there, no Barbara. So we can rule out her story. And her story is firming up that version of events where they were all poisoned. So why would she do that? It's because something else happened. Because I believe that in a weird way, I actually don't believe that anybody in this group actually did anything entirely dodgy. I just have a weird feeling that the men actually took this stuff and they kind of did it to themselves. Now, I'll explain. Now, the two best friends took whatever. This is just my speculation because nothing else seems to make sense. And they returned home. Now, I looked up how long MDA can hit and it would have been 20 minutes, which is about the 20 minutes their 10 minute walk back looking and then walking back 20 minutes which lines up with the men ordering a drink searching for the shoe and walking home so they took it at the bar or on the walk back they were probably drunk which would explain why he didn't notice that one of his shoes wasn't there or on him and the police back this up by the state of the couples as they said everyone was out of it so i think they were mixing alcohol and drugs now i don't believe their drink was laced with the drug 
It was the same drug found in the apartment, which is a drug I've never heard of. Many people might not have. So what's the likelihood that that's happened in two places? It's less common than MDMA, and it was found in Alicia's purse. Maybe they took a lot of it. It comes in powder or pill form. But a random double overdose doesn't explain Caleb's injuries. He had a blue and black eye that wasn't there before, by all accounts. No one ever mentioned him having a black eye. Um, And it was relatively fresh when it gets that kind of bluey look about it. He was murdered. He didn't just die of an overdose. So the question is, if you go along with me saying that they took an overdose themselves by accident, who gave him the black eye, which is most likely... The person who gave him the black eye is most likely the person who inflicted the other injuries on him. And no offence, but a woman cannot strangle a man to death. And when you look at them switching from manual to ligature, maybe some people can look at that as a woman trying to strangle him manually. But the only way that a woman would be able to strangle a man to death would be if he was unconscious. So we're looking at the other males, Casey, Chuck, or just some random at the bar. And I'm ruling out the random at the bar. Now, when the men got back to the apartment, they were pretty much when they walked in the door, Caleb started seizing immediately. So they didn't have time to explain if Caleb got into a fight with someone at the bar or if the two of them had had a fight on the walk back from the bar. And there wasn't any witnesses to them walking home. But nobody saw that at the bar either. So it could only happen on the walk home. And the only person with Caleb to punch him in the face would be Casey. Um, Or when they got home, someone else. Um, But the timeline really doesn't allow for that. It's a really tight timeline. From the time they get home, it's pretty much him seizing and then Alicia running to the neighbours to call an ambulance immediately. Now, Caleb wasn't dead or he didn't start seizing or anything until he got home. And it was probably likely that the the injuries were clearly inflicted on him, the ones that killed him when he got home. So what if Casey and Caleb had a fight as they were walking home? One of the side effects of MDA is extreme paranoia or seeing things that aren't there. What if they had a fight walking home and they finished it when they got home? And I haven't seen anyone else speculating that then. Maybe the black eye came from Casey. And this is why I'd love to see the autopsy because it would show if someone from the group had bruising to, you know, their fingers or anything like that or their fist where they would be punching people. But I can rule out the fact that Caleb did not get that black eye from falling to the ground. Now, by the time the men got home, the men's overdose kicked in and maybe something else also kicked off. Both had fatal levels of the drug in their system, um, which, you know, they could have taken it themselves. Now, the hypothermia thing I have a huge issue with because in no instance will MDA or cocaine lower body temperature. It will only cause hyperthermia. It will only raise it. The lowest temperature in December is 25 degrees, and that's overnight. At During the day, it's around 28, a high. This is Celsius. And that's nowhere near low enough to die of hypothermia from the air. You would have to get it from swimming or being in cold water. As I said earlier, 16 to 21 degrees Celsius is enough to set off hypothermia. And I'm not saying that hypothermia killed him. It was just one of the symptoms that he had when they did the autopsy. He may have had a mild hypothermia. I have to suspect because of that, that before his death, Casey had some sort of contact with cold water. Maybe he was put in an ice bath because he was overdosing earlier and their timeline is all a lie. Um, Maybe he was put in that to lower his body temperature, which is something you can do when someone either has a fever or hypothermia from taking drugs. 
maybe him and Caleb went swimming when they got back to the beach to counteract the fact that they were both really hot from taking the drugs. It takes as little as 10 minutes for hypothermia to set in and he could have only had mild hypothermia. It's not what killed him and basically when the EMS arrived they found him seizing and ultimately what killed him was the fatal MDA overdose. Maybe he went for a swim when they got back to the bar and they walked home. Maybe they went for a swim when they got back down there and maybe because everyone else was so fucked up like the police said and as Mark said Maybe the timeline's all wrong because everyone was messed up and they can't tell, you know, what was happening. Maybe the guys went earlier to back to the bar and everyone was so fucked up they thought it happened recently. Maybe the guys were gone for way longer than the rest of the group thought, but everyone else was so fucked up they didn't even notice. Now, <clears throat> there's no mention of Casey being wet and it's also not a symptom in Caleb's autopsy either. So... It would have been over an hour by the time he reached the hospital and they started doing the autopsy and things like that. So maybe he had dried off because it's quite humid at night. But as much as everyone else seems to think that there's a motive for the two men to be killed, even if you believe that Barbara killed Casey, there's zero evidence for Caleb's wife wanting Caleb dead too. That's like a plot of a movie and it's just ridiculous for the two to get together and plot that. It's just, I just can't buy it. She was due to have that surgery and she would have needed someone to look after her. Now, what if Casey had attacked Caleb? They'd gone into a fight and this entire thing is the family and friends trying to protect his memory. I don't want to give Barbara ideas of the next time she's going to change her story, but I don't know. I honestly don't know. I, I Part of that story and that speculation from me doesn't make sense to me because if when they were arrested and they were in jail, they would have just told the police the two men were in a fight, which would have been the easy way for them to get out of jail. What if the men were poisoned way earlier and the body just took time to process it or they were taking too much of it over a period of time? Um, <clears throat> they could have been slipped ecstasy granted at the apartment before returning to the bar. Now, I'm not sure if the other people in the story did anything, to be honest, either. Their behavior is bizarre. Maybe they're scared, which is their version of events that they don't want to end up back in a anguille in prison um, where it's cold, you don't get fed or anything like that. But I will say their behavior is bizarre and it's really fucked up because there's no way in hell that I would do that to a friend of mine or a boyfriend or a husband or anything. I would never, ever just let it go unsolved to protect myself or I like to think that I wouldn't. And in Caleb's case, Carly should have been pushing for answers. He was murdered. As much as the drug overdose would have ultimately killed him, the cause of death was the asphyxiation and strangulation and something happened that then covering up. But I mostly think they just don't want to return back because of the drug charges that could be put on them from when they had drug in, drugs in their possession when it happened or anything like that. And Barbara packed up and went back to the States. <clears throat> I just can't see the motive with Barbara because it's – I know this is going to sound harsh. It's really hard to find like a hot, good-looking young dude when you're like 61 years old, um, like she is now, I think. Um, it's not enough motive for me for her to think that he wasn't paying his way. But maybe it is a motive if she found out that literally no one in his life had heard of her. I mean, his friends had who had visited, their girlfriends had, but no one in LA or Hollywood had ever heard of her. And then I started to kind of talk to Mark about it and think, what if he was a what if she was a sugar mama? And then Mark said, what does she do? And I said, she's a nurse. And he said, nah, she wouldn't be that. 
maybe he was mooching off her for a long time and she'd had enough of it. Um, it seems like a long time to go without like a solid income for someone. Maybe she was just sick of it and he was like leeching. Maybe she found out something about him. But it seems to me to be a really weird thing to suddenly move there in July and kill him by the December. There wouldn't be enough time to kind of settle in or anything like that or to know what you're working with, the police you're working with, um, the judicial system you're working with or anything like that. So I'm really interested to know what you guys think. I've thought it out so much and I still don't know. But honestly, like everyone else, I just I just can't see the motive. I just think it's something illegal in the sense of drug possession, um, not illegal in the sense of them murdering anyone. Um, and if anyone knows anything about MDA or has any experience that's similar to that, you know, let me know. So I'm going to put this on Patreon with Patreon with all the photos or anything um, and everything or anything. Um, so comment there and let me know what you think happened. Join the Patreon. There's, I think, a one, two, five, and ten dollar a month tier, and you can join the community there because I don't have Instagram. Leave a review if you like the show on your podcast platform of choice. I don't know how to do it other than on Apple Podcasts. Visit the website at unknownpassagepodcast.com. I will put up Caleb and Casey's page within the next day or so. Next week, I have two patrons who requested the same place, and I'm bundling them together as I explained at the start. And this is an exotic place. Not exotic in the sense that it's tropical or anything. Exotic in the sense that we don't know a whole lot about it. It will be a multi-parter. I've wanted to do it for a while. I think now's as good as time as any. Um, maybe two or three parts. It's going to take a lot of reading for me, but I already know a ton about this guy. Um, it kind of ties into the podcast in a way, in the sense that something happened somewhere else. I've ex I've talked about the guy before, so, but I think it will be really interesting. Um, yeah, so... I'll talk to you then. Let me know what you think with this. Bye.